Step into the Wealth Elevator and join our 12,000 plus member community who have passively invested over $200 million to acquire over $2.1 billion in commercial real estate. Sign up by going to thewealthelevator.com slash club. And here we go. This is the Simple Passive Cash Flow Podcast, but we have taken it over with my book that was released a couple years ago, The Journey to Simple Passive Cash Flow. This chapter is chapter four, Why Syndications Over Burr or Turnkey Rentals. We're really going to be diving into, yeah, syndications are really for accredited investors and why accredited investors leave the landlord world behind. I'm going to be really diving into some of my personal lessons learned. I started with a bunch of rental properties in Seattle locally, then realized that you move out of state for better numbers in the more emerging markets, built up 11 turnkey rentals back in 2015, but eventually sold all those for my portfolio of private equity syndication deals today. And that's really where I think is the place to be as an accredited investor especially if you're working a full-time, high-paid day job. If you guys want to get access to the links to buy the book for about 99 cents on the Kindle version or the five bucks for the physical version, that will really help generate sales and really help me on my next release. If you guys want to write a review, take a screenshot, send it to the team at simplepassivecashflow.com. We'll hook you up with a free e-product there. The next book will really be surrounding, you know, exactly how exactly do you climb this glass elevator and skip these steps a lot quicker, jumping over what the chapter is about today, jumping over the whole landlord level and just going over that. A lot of investors that we work with these days have never owned rental properties and just are already accredited investors because they make over $250,000 a year. Or maybe they've inherited properties from their parents who did it all the wrong way in the past and really want to jumpstart and take it into this world of accredited investors and beyond. So for that, again, we're going to be dropping, we're about almost halfway through the book and probably over the next couple of months, you'll hear the rest of the chapters, but enjoy this chapter. And if you have any feedback or any thoughts for the next book, or if you'd like to help be a reviewer on the next book, please reach out to the team at simplepassivecashflow.com. We can get you an advanced copy on that. And you can feel like you're the inner circle with us going along this journey of releasing the second big title from Simple Passive Cashflow. Thank you all for the support and enjoy the chapter. This is a story about a being lame. Then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one. Chapter 3, Becoming an Accredited Investor Around 2012, the real estate market had bounced off the bottom of the 2008 recession and prices were going up. I already had three rental units to my name that I had acquired with a traditional 20% down payment financing. The first property I bought was entirely the wrong property that no one should buy, especially their first time around. It was in a primary market such as Seattle, Washington, where the numbers just don't work. Today, I focus more on workforce housing, class B and C properties, because in tough times or recessions, tenants tend to move out of those high-end A-class luxury properties and backfill into these more value-based rentals. But of course, I didn't know anything back then, and when you start out, you don't really know much. The second property I bought was a duplex 
in a more of an A minus B plus area. My rent to value ratio improved slightly from the first one, but it was still nowhere near the golden 1% rule. The rent to value ratio is the monthly rent divided by the purchase price. I went to various local real estate clubs, but I kept finding wholesalers and flippers, a bunch of guys who just didn't have money. They weren't the pedigree of a working professional. They didn't even make more than 60000 a year at their day jobs. One event I went to early was a war room type of auction where they would get investors together and talk about deals that came up via auction, which is a very risky way of investing and gets a lot of newbie investors intrigued. Perhaps because of the lure of buying properties on the courthouse steps for supposedly pennies on the dollar, and they would give out some lame free spaghetti dinner to attract the cheap, easy, free looking crowd to come in and create the atmosphere of investor frenzy. If you've been listening to the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast since 2016, you have seen me well change my mind a few times. At one time, I thought buying a bunch of rentals was the way to financial freedom, so you could be that cool guy at the local real estate club with all the other misguided landlords. As I became an accredited investor, I discovered the three step system that we use today. First, syndication deals where you don't invest with dishonest operators to get better returns than the 401k financial planner garbage. Second step, get passive losses to unlock the tax best practices that the wealthy employ. And last and least impactful, number three, infinite banking. If your net worth is not yet $1 million, check out my free turnkey rental remote e-course at simplepassacashflow.com slash turnkey. All right, speaking to accredited investor to accredited investor, my one, two, three system is very simple to implement, but it requires plugging into a community of purely passive accredited investors like ours. Join our investor club for more insider access. Go to simplepassacashflow.com slash club. Those who are looking to deploy more than $250,000 their first year or make over $300,000 in annual income or net worth over a couple million dollars should really look into our exclusive inner circle called the Family Office HANA Mastermind, FOOM for short. Learn more at simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey. I tell a lot of investors, even high net worth investors, to spend at least one to three months learning about all investing techniques, such as flipping, wholesaling, tax liens, to understand that most of these strategies are for those with little money or abundance of time. In the end, the most boring cash flowing investments are what the wealthy do. My immediate goal at the time was to quit my day job which required cash flow from rentals to replace my income. This is where I started my search to go out of state because at the time I was hearing of these mythical creatures called turnkey rentals. There is no standard for a turnkey, but it is essentially a property where a rehabber acquires a dilapidated property and resurrects it from the dead by fixing up all the major components, the roof, the electrical, plumbing, new paint, fresh countertops, sometimes even putting a tenant in there too, and then sells it to passive investors like us who are looking for a finished turnkey product to put into a portfolio. I realized Seattle wasn't a good market to be investing for cash flow in 2012. I started looking to other cities I'd never visited in order to buy sight unseen. I started my search and eventually found a place in Birmingham, Alabama. I worked with a turnkey rental provider and became engaged with a property management company that was a third party to the person who was selling me the property. And that's what I usually recommend when we coach kind of newer clients buying remote turnkey rentals is you want to work with a third party property manager and not work with the same person because there, it could be implied confidence of interest there. If the property is not rehabbed up to snuff, the property manager will call them out on it as opposed if it's under the same roof, there might some things be hidden. They may just say the tenant messed it up, right? When really the property wasn't rehabbed as well as it should be. 
I also got a hold of a lending broker who worked with a lot of out-of-state, non-owner-occupied property folks. One of the biggest mistakes I see investors making is they work with the lending broker who got them their primary residence, which is completely different than buying an out-of-state rental property. Oftentimes, when you go to one of these larger banks, you're working with an incompetent loan officer. I did a bit of networking around with other pure passive investors who are also doing this. I also received recommendations from the brokers I was working with. I made sure to take everything with a grain of salt and I put more emphasis on working with those who didn't have any skin in the game or going to be paid some kind of referral fee. I found more success working with these folks rather than those whom you can talk to on a free internet forums where the users are usually just a bunch of broke guys just looking to get rich quick. And essentially you pay for what you get, right? Free internet site. This is the kind of folks that you'll probably run into. The way we're doing things via cash flow is not a get rich quick scheme, but rather a get rich surely situation. So I found a good property manager knowing he could vet properties that I wouldn't see in person because yes, again, I was buying these properties sight unseen. However, I was assembling a team to assist me with due diligence. I hired a property inspector who walked the property to make sure I didn't buy a lemon. When I was working with the lender, they were also doing their due diligence in the title work and getting the appraisal. The property manager helped me bring everything together and made sure this was a good rental with the rents that I had anticipated in my analyzer. Putting my first out-of-state rental into operation went pretty smoothly out of the gate. And I was like, wow, I get a lot more rent, a lot more revenue per dollar than compared to my Seattle properties I owned at the time. I realized I needed to get rid of my properties in Seattle and go all in on this cash flow based investing. You can read more about this process here at simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey. And if you guys go back to the archives in the podcast, I think it was around 80 to episode 100 was when I was transitioning from away from the single family homes into the more syndications and private placements, investing in apartments that I do today. I think that is why the podcast got so popular. Again, that simple passive cash flow, passive real estate investing found on iTunes, Google Play, etc. is because people were able to see the transition from a single family home, mom and pa, remote investor, landlord into more of an accredited investor and then you know that's when a lot lot of the tax benefits and tax strategies and then other wealth building strategies such as infinite banking we started to bring that into the curriculum on the podcast back in 2010 when i was just a newbie landlord i did not know what to expect in terms of my monthly profit and losses as you move along into rental ownership you learn things that are going to break and there might be some other expenses. Later, I discovered that most months I made money, and sometimes I lost money. That expenses, vacancy, and evictions were just part of the game. I developed an analyzer that breaks down all the expenses you may incur and will likely occur, and those you should probably calculate and assume you're going to incur. Say you have a rental property that rents for $1,000 per month. 10% is usually going to go to repairs and maintenance. There's going to be plumbing and other small repairs here and there. Another 10% will go to your property manager. Again, I always have investors get a third-party property manager. You hear most unsophisticated mom and pa landlord investors doing it themselves. 
but I believe this is the wrong way to do it. If you're reading this book and make a good professional salary, your highest and best use is at your day job or playing around with your kids and having a great life rather than screwing around with making repairs at an hourly rate at less than $50 an hour. So we're pairing our property manager and we're also paying them some lease up fees and we're going to have some vacancy there too. So that takes us down another 10%. It's certainly not free to run around a property. We're also going to have some large capital expenditure items that come up every five to 20 years. For example, replacing the roof every 10 to 20 years or so, maybe 30 if you're lucky. So money needs to go into some kind of slush account, whether you keep it in a bank account or you just commingle it with your personal funds. If you're a homeowner, you totally understand what I'm talking about. Large things break. Of course, you have to pay your mortgage, interest, taxes, insurance, or PITI. So what's left over is like a very small portion of your income. And that is our cash flow. Now, one of the biggest mistakes I hear sophisticated investors say is that their monthly rent is $1,000. So their mortgage, their PITI or principal interest taxes and insurance is 500 and they say they're cash flowing at $500. Now that's incorrect. You need to include all your expenses and once you do that, you have your true cash flow number. And also don't forget your HOA deals. If your rent is $1,000 and your HOA is $150, well, your true rents are $850 at that point. Then you deduct all your vacancy, repairs, capex, property management fees, and that's what you're left with. Again, just to reiterate this, once you deduct your PITI, that's your true cash flow number. Feel free to download my rental property analyzer at simplepassivecashflow.com slash analyzer to understand the numbers. Today, my team and I go after 1% rent-to-value ratio property, which kind of takes away a lot of the coastal markets, including the whole state of California, as well as Hawaii, Seattle, Portland, New York, Boston, and DC. We're actually targeting markets that are found more often in red states. Politics aside, as a landlord, you want to be in areas where the landlord laws on, are on your side. In some states, the landlord laws tip very much in favor of the tenant and it can take forever to evict a tenant who isn't paying. I also like to invest in emerging markets where the population is increasing. Due to economic growth, these are typically found in more red states and southern states as the population is moving from colder climates to warmer ones. I also try and stay in secondary and tertiary markets. So these are larger cities with more than a quarter million population, as opposed to those little podunk towns of 50 to 100,000 population or less. I found that I was making a lot more money doing this type of investing than I ever was in stocks and mutual funds around the same time. I also sold all those rental properties in Seattle, and I did a 1031 exchange to nine out-of-state properties. This exchange is a swap of one investment property for another that allows capital gains to be deferred. If you guys follow me on the podcast and the YouTube channel, you guys are know I'm very against 1031 exchanges, but hey, just another example of you live and learn, and these are the mistakes I've made. If you guys wanna learn more about that, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash 1031 guide to read all the long list of cons why I don't recommend 10 31 exchanges, especially for syndication investors where you're getting that huge amount of bonus depreciation, which hint, that's what you use to offset the taxes when you do sell, which negates the need for any kind of 1031 exchange. By 2015, I had 11 rentals. These included five properties in Atlanta, four in Birmingham, one in Indianapolis, and one in Pennsylvania. Around this time, I started to realize that rental properties were not scalable. Whenever you own a rental property, as the property appreciates and the tenants pay down your mortgage for you, 
If any of your principal increases, which is a good thing, unfortunately, your return on equity goes down. Now, sophisticated investors always pay attention to the return on equity. When you have so many rentals, it is impractical to get refinances on all your properties. You're going to make your lender very rich doing this. And you're also going to go crazy with all the friction costs and all the headaches, tenants, termites, and toilets, even with good property managers. With 11 rentals, I had an eviction or two every year. I've probably had more than six evictions altogether. And about a third of the time, it resulted in a $5,000 to $20,000 repair bill. As these crappy tenants screwed up my property and left, I had no recourse to collect from them. Check out my YouTube channel to see the infamous walkthrough of my trash property that an evicted tenant left me. The evictions were one thing, but just on a day-to-day or month-to-month basis, you're going to have repairs and maintenance, which is fine because the property manager takes care of most of this. Most of these repairs aren't a huge issue money-wise. The cash flow more than overcomes the stuff, but your role is to manage the property manager to make sure they take care of these repairs in a timely and cost-effective fashion. If you're going to get where most of my clients' goals are, which is that magic $10,000 of passive cash flow a month, just imagine how your life would be totally different. But you're going to have to multiply these rental properties and headaches by three since my 11 rentals only gave me $3,000 of cash flow per month. So instead of an eviction or two every year, you're talking about an eviction every single quarter. Instead of a big catastrophe happening every quarter, you're talking about one every few weeks potentially. I saw the writing on the wall and then I started to search for that next thing. I didn't know what it was, but I started to pay money to level up my network. I had grown past the free stuff on the internet and the local communities, podcast land, the free lane books out there. I still didn't have a tribe though, but from 2009 to 2015, I did most of this all by my lonesome, and it was slow. My net worth grew from zero to just shy of a million dollars in six years. I took it to several thousand rental units in the coming years very quickly. I also contributed a hundred percent of my growth to joining different mastermind groups and getting around other high net worth accredited investors, i.e. professionals who are looking to build their network with others to start on their journey to financial freedom. The funny thing was that many of these people were ex-landlords and small-time investors like how I started. They all joked about being coming accredited investors that there wasn't a single good reason for owning direct rentals or small multifamily properties on their own. Many of them invested in private placements and syndications where they are passive investors. They have no debt to their names and they have very little to no liability as a LP limited partner in a deal. And they're diversified over different partners different geographic areas, different deals and different asset classes and different business plans. All this without having to really lift a finger other than to sign some paperwork in the beginning and wire funds out. One of the biggest blind spots investors have is building your network with other pure passive high net worth investors. A lot of people just don't realize this. At first, I operated as an investor group of one. Me, myself, and I I didn't talk to anybody. As an engineer, I'm a bit of an introvert, which is probably why I'm reading this book out loud to myself and recording myself so you can read it too. It wasn't necessary in my nature to branch out, talk to others, and get help. And it's hard to find people on the same path as you in your same pedigree as a high-paid working professional. It wasn't until 2013 that I started to see my first private placement and syndication deal. And just like most people, when you see that first deal, I was like, wow, this is really cool. This is the best deal I've ever seen in my life. It's the only deal I've ever seen. It made me feel really special, part of a secret club. Little did I know that this first deal I went into was a sucker deal designed to scam newbies. 
Somebody referred me over to a particular operator and my mistake was that I did not know that the guy making the referral, I didn't know that the referral was bogus or he was potentially getting kickback. But I invested about 45 grand and then this was my first foray into passive investing. I essentially invested with the wrong person who ran the deal into the ground. If you want to learn more about this fun experience and a little bit more about the details, go to simplepassivecashflow.com fail. Looking back on it, there were several lessons learned. First, the deal wasn't structured via a Regulation D 506B or 506C deal. There were very little recourse and it wasn't filed with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or SEC. Second, the person I found this contact from was an unverified source. Again, the gold standard and how I find people to work with today is having a network of people whom I trust and I call my friends. And they have a wide breadth of people that they know. Whenever I find somebody I haven't met before, I can go to my trusted network and see what the scoop is with this person. I essentially lost all my money on this deal. I needed to build relationships with other passive investors so that I would have a sounding board to make sure I didn't invest with a shyster in the future. I'm urging you to really get out of your current box. When your net worth is under half a million dollars, you can do it on your own. You're working with property managers, brokers, and so on, but when you become a more credit investor, especially investing in private placements and syndications, and especially as you start to expand your wealth building techniques to infinite banking, legal, and tax tactics, it's going to come down to your network. As the saying goes, your network is your net worth, and it's critical for an accredited investor to build a community of their own around them. From 2009 to 2015, I stayed in my shell investing on my own and went from 0 to 11 rentals. From 2015 to 2020, I went to 6,000 rentals and it wouldn't have been possible if I had stayed in my shell. When I started to join these mastermind groups, I had gone in with the intention of being an operator GP. This was going to eventually replace my engineering career. I was going to do this full time. I must have spent over six figures to get individual coaching and attend mastermind groups. This helped me build the portfolio today of dozens of apartment buildings that we own and operate. What I noticed out there was what really helped me get to the next level, having a peer group of my own. There are a lot of groups out there for people who want to be operators, trying to run their own deals, but they're very expensive. A lot of these are going to cost you well over $25,000 a year. But what I realized as I talked to dozens and dozens of investors every single week is that there was a big need for passive investors who weren't necessarily going to be operators or general partners or AKA real estate groupies who don't make too much money at their job. Therefore, it makes sense for them to be general partners. They wanted a place to invest and have a peer group while still working their six-figure-plus salary and managing their growing families. I sought to create something that in as little as four to five hours a month, a passive investor could join a pre-selected community of other pure passive investors to call and source due diligence, swap best practices for tax and legal, and take these organic relationships into the future. As I started to interact with family offices on my investment side, I realized there's a layer of individuals out there that are called family office folks. These are defined as 100 million families and above. The Rockefellers are a great example of this. But what do you do when your net worth is 1 million and you're trying to get to 10 million? I sought to create a network in a group coaching format of developing family offices in the Family Office Ohana Mastermind, or FOAM for short. In this group, we have over 75 investors, most of whom are accredited, and they're all trying to do the same thing while working a full-time day job and try to build a legacy that won't just get blown by spoiled 
children or grandchildren. I was frustrated by the numerous investing education programs out there who gouged investors, charging them twenty, thirty-five, even fifty thousand dollars annually. Many of these people that I felt bad for could not afford these expensive coaching options and should have used it as a down payment for the actual first investment. And a side note, right? Like a lot of these investment groups that come through town, they do the big dog and pony show. They teach people how to call up their credit card companies to increase the credit so they can pay for one of these programs. A lot of times the target are like our broke people who don't have money to begin with. And they're trying to trick them with the whole hope that you can have a better life. Here at Simple Passive Cashflow and our family office group, it's a complete opposite clientele, right? We want only accredited high net worth investors at least the way I look at it, I want to provide real value to these types of people. But I'll get off of my soapbox because whenever I think about those real estate groups, it pisses me off, quite frankly. So a typical family office Ohana Mastermind client will come into our group. They'll typically be brand new to the world of alternative investing. They may or may not have owned a rental property in the past, but they are certainly an accredited investor with at least $1 million net worth, or they make over $250,000 a year at their day job. Most people come in wanting to find a peer network of other passive investors to figure out who to work with and more importantly, who to stay away from in the sea of private placement. One third of the curriculum of a family office clients is the source of analyzed deals. But while investing in a stronger yielding investments, that are more securely backed by hard assets, they unlock passive activity losses, or PALs for short. We like PALs. These passive activity losses allow us to offset passive income, which come off of our passive investments because we're about to depreciate the real estate's value over time. But it also has potential to offset our ordinary income, which we derive from our W-2 salaries or business income. One way we can do this is to implement real estate professional strategy on our taxes. We work with our clients to develop a strategy based on their family organization structure. A typical client might be a highly paid doctor with a stay-at-home spouse, and the stay-at-home spouse is a great candidate to achieve that real estate professional status. Now, this income earner can drive their ordinary income down via their passive losses to make their AGI lower. It's a beautiful thing. When a spouse can stay at home to raise a family, while the family pays less in taxes and ultimately brings in more net income. This is a prime example of how the wealthy are playing a different game. Everybody's concerned about the future president's tax brackets and how they hurt the higher income earners. Personally, I don't make too much active income, therefore I'm not taxed. And a lot of passive investors in dozens of syndication deals are swimming in hundreds of thousands of dollars of passive activity losses. And they don't have to pay any taxes if they don't want to. This is another reason why you do not want to be a house flipper or a private money lender because that income is ordinary, not passive income, and there are no pals. Paying zero taxes probably sounds crazy to most folks, but a lot of people are getting these passive activity losses because they're investing in the economy. And in our country, the tax code is written to incentivize certain behaviors such as investors like us putting money into things this country needs like workforce housing and apartments, mobile home parks, self-storage units, office spaces, etc. As an investor, you need to realize that taxes are your number one expense in life, as you need to empower yourself. This is why we educate and train our phone members to invest or at least understand tax codes to be able to have intelligent conversations and steer the ship with their CPA. In most cases, clients change their CPA because most CPAs are just unaware of these tactics. But even if you have an informed CPA, Unless you as a client have a basic understanding of taxes, I would not expect your CPA to implement optimal tax plans for you. It makes sense. Why deviate from what's normal and make their lives more difficult? When I was an employee, 
when I was an engineer and an employee, I'll be honest, I always did the everything the easiest way. That's exactly why these CPAs do it this way. They haven't figured out how to use the tax code to how the wealthy do. We collectively educate and pull best practices so that we can steer the ship with our taxes and legal professionals so that we get the best bang for a dollar. My goal is to empower investors with the stuff so that they can steer the ship with their team of professionals, which we always refer to once the investor is properly educated. But we need to empower ourselves to be the architects of our family office. A typical client will come into our group, understand how to invest in syndications, do basic due diligence on deals, and develop a network with other pure passive investors to find future sustainable deal flows to invest in. They will also learn how to use the tax benefits on their taxes to be able to keep more money at the end of the day, creating a harmonious called the simple passive cash flow gravy train. They can use the extra money and more investments to get even more tax benefits, and they can also fund infinite banking policies, creating a legacy wealth building tax-free and litigation-free. High net worth accredited investors do things very differently than most of us learned from our parents and peers. Of course, this stuff changes every couple of years as Congress or presidency changes and different political agendas change. But we always find ourselves in a heads-I-win, tails-I-win situation. Knowledge is power when navigating the different tax climates and legal climates. Check out simplepassivecashflow.com slash tax for additional information. Getting from $1 to $10 million net worth sets apart those creating a legacy. And to create that legacy is to invest alongside people who are like-minded and know how to keep it fun too. Now, I think in this book, you know, I mentioned a lot of these tax guide, the turnkey guide. We'll talk about the syndication guide here in a little bit. You know, another thing, if you want to learn about infinite banking, go to our free page at simplepassivecashflow.com slash banking. Heck, if you want a referral, we'll send you over to the folks that we know. But all this stuff is found free on the website. The main product, just to not keep you guys in the dark, that is a pay to play system is the family office ohana mastermind the foam i protect the identities and privacy of our clients in there and it's a private group to learn more go to simplepassivecashflow.com journey the proceeding is not tax legal or investment advice nor an offer to sell securities or investment products always make informed decisions with professional guidance get educated and surround yourself with a community at thewealthelevator.com club